How to make money with your AMP license? That question and much more in today's episode of The Grease Pilot Show. Hey everybody, welcome to The Grease Pilot Show, the show where all we talk about is aviation business, aviation entrepreneurship, and aviation startups. Um, If that sounds like uh, something that'd be interesting to you, make sure you hit like or subscribe or comment on our website or just interact with us. Um, Let us know you're out there and um, let us know your thoughts and um, yeah, we'd like to hear from you guys. So um, in today's episode, we're going to go ahead and talk about um, how to make money with your A&P license and in particular, how to make money with your A&P license without your IA license. Um... I know a lot of guys that have just their AMP, and that's all they need because they work at the airlines, or maybe they're doing corporate, or they're work, working for a 121 or a 145, and uh, they don't need their IA. So it's never really came up um, in the discussion. But uh, this is this episode's kind of tailored to guys wanting to kind of start a business, an aircraft maintenance business, or wanting to do a side gig, uh, kind of just doing a side maintenance business. Um, and we're going to go ahead and kind of, it'll always be, you know, whenever we talk startups and aircraft maintenance, it's always probably, with me, it's always going to start around the piston world, the GA world, um, because that's the lowest cost area to get started in, in aircraft maintenance. And um, if you have an AMP, you're fully qualified to work on piston aircraft. And to get started in uh, piston aviation maintenance, it's the lowest, uh, takes the lowest amount of income to start. So... That's kind of what we'll focus with, but it can be applied to turboprops, jets, um, rotorcraft as well. It just every um, starting piston is probably the lowest cost to get started in, and then it just goes up the scale. Turboprop, you know, uh, jet, rotorcraft, um, depending on jet and rotorcraft, those two can kind of go in between for co- cost to start up. But mainly it's the insurance and tooling needed to kind of do the maintenance is what's the biggest cost factors in starting that stuff up. So... Without going on a tangent there, that's why I got my clipboard, um, we're going to talk about how you can make money as just an A&P, basically not working for somebody else, not at a uh, job, because we all know that you can get a good job working for the airlines or a contract, military contract, or on the road jobs as an A&P working uh, jet stuff, and you can make good money. And uh, that's what I did when I first got my A&P license. Uh, I didn't have any experience and got a military contract working on um, Army helicopters in Fort Rucker, and uh, it was great pay. This was back in 2011, and uh, so I mean, like for a first job, it was everything I could ask for. But I was missing a fulfillment side of the job. You know, I just felt empty still, and I it took a while for me to find out what why I was why I wasn't fulfilled. And not everybody feels this way, but. I did. Um, I mean, I was making good pay, but I still wasn't that happy. And that's when I got into aviation business and aviation maintenance, uh, starting my own aviation maintenance company. And so that was back in 2012, 2013, when I started getting into aviation entrepreneurship. So we're going to kind of tailor this to guys that are wanting to do a side gig of their own or want to start their own aircraft maintenance business. And that's where having an IA license is huge because... Um, 
The IA license really opens the door to uh, annual inspections and other things we'll talk about later, but it really accounts for a big portion of your revenue if you're uh, starting an aircraft maintenance business and working on pistons and GA in general. So, uh, so I have on here, who is this episode for? And I kind of already went over this. This episode is tailored to guys wanting to either start their own aircraft maintenance business or do a side gig. So I already talked about that. Um, let me think about this here. So, uh, yeah, uh, let's go ahead and cover what, what an IA license is. We'll, we'll go into, in this episode, we're going to kind of, uh, we'll talk about what an IA license is. We'll talk about, uh, uh, different ways to make money with just your AMP and what my recommendation is, how I kind of, uh, made my way as just an AMP till I got my IA. And then, um, what, what I recommend doing, uh, if you just have your AMP and you're trying to kind of do your own thing still, but you don't have your IA, right? You want to, um, make money kind of doing a side gig or starting your own business, but you don't have your IA. So the IA license is um, the highest rating that a mechanic can get. Um, we're not talking engineering degrees. We're talking AMP license, mechanics. Uh, the IA license is the highest license you can get. And it requires you to have an AMP license for three years. And then before you test for the IA, you have to be actively engaged in aviation maintenance for the previous two years um, before you test. So the test date you have to be active two years prior to that test date. Not a real big requirement, you know. You can hit that pretty quick. Um, a lot of guys just getting their AMPs got to wait. Obviously, you got to wait three years, but it'll go fast. And um, I've read the FARs because it's been a while since I got my IA, but um, it says you have to have a base of operations to do the work and somewhere that where they can contact you. And that's funny. It's so funny that that's still in the regs today because it's like. Um, you can get your IA if you're, if you don't have a base of operations like an FBO. I did when I got mine, but you can easily put like, um, I'm sure you could put your home address. I don't know why that's in there. It's kind of a weird rule, but long story short, I guess they want a way to contact you. Oh, a, a place where you can be reached because they're, a, they need to have a place where you can be reached if they need to ask you questions about your IA or they need to come and ask you about your op, like what you signed off maybe. I know plenty of IAs who don't work for any shops and they go to uh, what's a two-year seminar to keep their IA current, which um, I have my opinions about that and we can talk about that in a later episode. But long story short, they don't work for anybody. They keep their license current and they just use their home address. So the regs say three years of experience, um, two years, uh, the recent two years actively engaged, a base of operations to have uh, to be contacted uh, where you can be contacted and then have the tooling equipment and tooling and equipment to be able to perform the job as an IA and, uh, you know, regs, they, they're pretty, um, real particular, but in, in short, you can qualify for that with a toolbox and some tools. Um, and, uh, so every FISDO is different, but, um, that's how I see the regs and I see guys out there with their IA that are in that predict where they they don't have a shop, they have their tools or working mobily. Um, so it, it can be done. It's not like it's, you have to have a facility to be an IA. Okay. You have to take a FA written test and that's really the only FA, you know, test you have to take. And it's a written, just like your AMP, 
There's plenty of study guides out there. Um, you know, Glym, Jepson, I think ASA, the, a lot of the aviation training companies all have uh, IA test prep. And it's, for me, it was the hardest written test I had taken uh, of the FAs so, to date. Um, I kind of, I got my private pilot and I've got a lot more pilot stuff to take if I pursue that route. But um, from the mechanic side, it was definitely the hardest written I've taken out of all the written's. And so um, it, it just had a lot of sheet metal mathematics and stuff. And this isn't to this isn't to discourage you from doing it. I personally am not a good test taker, so I I didn't score very high, but I got above the seventy, and so I I'm, I was an IA. I got I passed the first time, but I would say that it's um, a lot of technical questions on there. Uh, so anyway, okay, that's what an IA is. What can an IA do? And we'll get into what you can do without an IA here soon. I just wanted to make sure that I touch base on the guys who don't have their IA, what it is, what, why it's so important when you're starting a piston aircraft shop, uh, and how you get it. I want to make sure I touch base on that first. And so um, with, with an IA, you can, uh, with just your A&P when you're starting an aircraft maintenance business in the piston world, you're, you can do oil changes, um, routine maintenance, tire changes. I'm thinking of things. The regs will say one thing, but I'm telling you in real life what people are going to call and like want for piston aircraft guys. A lot of engine work. You know, these piston engines are, they break all the time. Uh, they need mags, carbs. They need tuning. They need a cylinder replace. They need, you know, they're leaking oil. So the engine is really 50% uh, or more, depending on the aircraft, uh, the maintenance. So like if you can center your business around, uh, not center it, but make sure you show up in Google when people are looking for like uh, maintenance related issues, you're probably going to get some business because a lot of stuff, the engine has a lot of moving parts. So therefore it does, it, it has issues often. So oil changes, tire changes, brake changes. I know those are all airframe stuff, but, um, uh, cylinder changes, magnetos, carburetor, um, yeah, uh, fuel leaks, oil leaks. It's you know there. That's what you can do as an A and P. Uh, so when it comes, and you can do hundred hours. Let's not forget that because I'll talk about why the hundred hours is really important to make uh, uh, revenue for your side gig or company if you don't have an IA. But uh, when you get your IA in the piston world, there are two big two big things that people get. This is real life stuff. This is you know I know like I said I know the FAR say hey as an IA you can do major repairs, major alterations. You can do this, you can do that, <clears throat> but they don't say what like people are calling you about and asking you hey I need my annual done. You know these are things that people call and you need the IA to have to do the work and get the revenue. Uh, annuals, annual inspections. That's a 12-month uh, calendar inspection on piston aircraft operating under 91 rules, uh, FAR 91. Every aircraft needs it, and that's a great uh, thing to be able to offer is if someone needs it, you know, an annual inspection, boom. You know, every year, like clockwork, you're going to do that inspection. And those inspections range in price revenue-wise from like a Cub or something small like a 150 being like, 12 labor hours or like a thousand bucks all the way up to like eight, nine grand for like a turbo or excuse me, a, a multi piston, um, like a 421, like a turbocharged pressurized piston. 
And you can also do turbo props. You know, you can do annuals on turbo props, rotorcraft. And I, I kind of didn't look into this, but I think you can do it with jets. And I remember covering a little bit of this on one episode already. I'll have to look that up because I don't. I've never signed an annual off on a jet personally, so I don't know. But I, you can do annuals. Annuals will satisfy a lot of inspection criteria for a lot of aircraft under the 91 FAR 91 requirement. So as an IA, you kind of have a lot of you. You, a lot of people will contact you for annuals. And uh, so I, it's a big thing if you're going to start your own maintenance company in the piston world or GA world, even a turboprop, to get your IA. It's big. So uh, annual inspections, that's what you can do. Uh, the other thing that they're going to call that's a big part of uh, your business is going to be STC modifications. Everything from avionics to engine upgrades to even rosin sun visors, you know. It's such a simple install, or the ADSB tail beacon was another easy one we did. These are all like, I, a mechanic is well qualified, and AMP only is well qualified to install this stuff from a mechanical standpoint, in my opinion. But since it's an alteration of the aircraft, it's a and it has to have a 337 form. Um, and now the sun visors, uh, I, I, I think, I can't remember if that counts, and someone can get, jump on and correct me, but you know, for us in our shop, if it was an alteration of the aircraft and we had an IA staffed, we just filed the 337 form and called it a day because we didn't want it. That's overdoing it. You're never going to get in trouble for overdoing something. So, uh, but ma mainly any modification in the aircraft that requires a 337 is going to be IA. You're going to need an IA. And when for us, it's like, uh, you know, like the Sky Beacon, the ADSB, or lots of avionics upgrades require the IA. So if you're putting any avionics in, it's going to be like super beneficial for you to have your IA. As a matter of fact, uh, I'm thinking back to all the avionics installs we've done, and we always had the IA put the 337 form, um, you know, the STC paperwork that came with it. So to boil it down, annuals and STCs, are a big deal in the piston world. They'll call you all day about them. Um, if you're swapping an engine, upgrading an engine up, another big thing is a 172 guy might want to go from 150 or 160 horsepower to 180, and that requires an engine upgrade, and that's an STC. That's a very common one. You know, or installing an IFR GPS, a Garmin GTN650, that's going to be an STC, which you got to be able to get the GTN650. But let's say a GPS 175, or a 255 or whatever, Garmin, or GI 275, you know, or a GI, or a G5, or, you know, the list goes on and on and on on the avionics side of what you need an IA to do. And these guys are always putting that equipment in their plane. You know, it's, they're one of the biggest things that's changing in the piston world is avionics and engines. Not, engines aren't changing, but people are doing maintenance to them or upgrading them. So having your IA in those areas is gonna be big. Okay, let me go through my list. I hope I made it clear as to what an IA, the value of an IA when you're starting your own business. Um, it's, it's pretty big, but it doesn't mean that if you don't have it that you should just not start your own business. I mean, I'm going to go into detail why it's important right now that if you don't have your IA and you can't qualify for IA, IA at what you should be doing and um, why you should just continue starting your business. It's not like you shouldn't start. It's absolutely not the case. Um, and this is based off my experience, you know. 
this is going back a little ways uh, to think about how my journey started, but I'll, it's probably very similar for a lot of guys out there that started their own shops. But um, uh, I, mean, I think I jumped ahead here. Okay, yes, I did. Okay, how to make money as an independent AMP with a not, without an IA. I have here on the first items routine maintenance, which we already kind of discussed. This is the oil changes, the tire changes, basically anything that's broken on the airplane that just needs replaced, right? Um, that's where you can do it with your A&P. And I got here, it says, uh, it's, build the, it's good to start, even though you don't have your IA, getting customers uh, because then you can build the relationship so when you do get your IA, you can contact these customers or they know that you got your IA, now they're gonna use you for all their services. So that's the big thing of why you wanna start now because even if you just got your A&P, it takes a little bit of time to build your business. It does. Uh, depending on where you're located and how many planes are around you and the demand and whatnot, you know, uh, that, that all dictates the growth as well, but your marketing does too and so I'm here to tell you that having a, a website, um, a Google business listing, getting getting involved with Failing Aviation, you know, get on our roster, get on our uh, the mechanic portal or a subscription. These are low cost ways to expose yourself, right? And um, what we always say is like uh, running our shops and running our business. Every customer you uh, interact with could be someone that changes, that talks to other guys to bring other customers in. So even if you get one job, right, through one outlet, you never know what that one job, that one customer could be talking to other guys. And we think of it as a tree, right? Like the limb, you got the base of the tree and all the limbs coming off of it. That one guy that you may impress or do a good job for, you may talk to his buddies and they may talk to their buddies and it's a domino effect. So what I'm saying is build the relationships early, do a good job early, because it's all about service. You know, if you overwhelm these guys with good service, they're gonna come back. And when you get your IA, they're gonna call you again. And before you know it, you'll have more customers and you know what to do with. You just gotta serve them properly. I'm here to tell you, I, um, that's what I tell everybody in the Phalanx Network. Um, whenever I go out in the field, it's all about just helping these guys you know don't be selfish make sure you help them because if you do it's going to come back it definitely will so um routine maintenance uh getting that reoccurring exposure to these customers is big building that relationship um I'm, and then i'm going to jump into 100 hour uh, inspections so 100 hours can be done by uh, an amp uh, aircraft owners i i had a couple guys that would do uh, 100 hours on their plane and they weren't flight schools, they were just 91 operators because they were, there's guys out there that literally want their plane looked at, they don't care if it's uh, not required, they just need an annual, they know that every 100 hours they want their plane looked at. So there's guys out there that will want a 100 hour and um, there may not be a lot of them but they're out there and those are the good customers because they're willing to pay you to do a 100 hour inspection on their plane even though it's not required. But uh, Flight schools are kind of a big thing. If you just have your AMP, my recommendation would be to draw a 60, you know, in the course, the how to start a maintenance business course we sell, we talk about this further, but you need to establish your service area. I would draw a 60 uh, mile radius and then list out all the schools at all the airports in that 60 mile radius. I'd be getting on the phone, I'd be getting on the horn, and I, I, I kinda, what I do before I call someone 
it can be nerve wracking if you're not someone that likes to talk on the phone. But if you want to start your own business enough, it's not that big of a deal and you need to do it and just get over it. Uh, cause eventually it becomes like second nature and it's not that big of a deal anymore. But you know, I usually write down what my goal is of the phone call. So if I'm calling the flight school and I'm offering my services as an AMP, I want to write down what my goal is. And my goal would be to either get a meeting with someone who can make a decision like a manager or an owner of that flight school that says, yeah, come and do maintenance for us. So one of my goals would be, I want to either talk to the decision maker or I want the ultimate goal would be, I'd like to, um, be the guy they call when they need maintenance, right? I'd like to be the guy they call when they need hundred hours. So I write that as my goal of the conversation. Um, but the, one of the good moves to do is just get on the phone, call them, and say, hey, is there any way I could come talk to a manager or the owner about providing 100-hour inspections in other general aircraft maintenance for your school? And just say, you know, I would like to talk to you about what, what your chart, what your, um, what your cost is for your maintenance, see if I can help maybe save you a little money, and also get you some uptime. You know, if you guys are struggling to find a guy to do a 100-hour on your plane, like in a reasonable amount of time, I can be a, a source to come in and help you. Trust me, there's schools out there, like maybe not the first one, second, third, you'd be surprised, man. They, they might say, yeah, because I won't go on this tangent, but AMPs that are in the piston world and IAs, in the, IAs especially, when you get that IA ticket, you're going to be able to, if you have a small network, you don't have, you're going to be busy. That's, I'm not going to even doubt that. It's 2022, it's December right now, it's going to be 2023, IAs are in short demand, um, and it's good. Because for the longest time, IAs were getting paid junk money and overworked, and they all left. They all left the industry or retired because they were tired of making that kind of money, but it's rebounding. It's a good time to get in. And don't work for, uh, you know, if you provide a good service and a good, uh, good craftsmanship, don't charge bottom dollar. Uh, you know, Phalanx does 100 bucks an hour, and that's pretty relatively low, honestly. Um, but we want to make sure that uh, our mechanics are doing a good job. And since I can't be on site with these guys, a lot of these guys are all over the country. You know, we have some guys that maybe uh, not at the hundred dollar level. We have guys that are over the hundred dollar level, and so we just start stay at the hundred. And um, but if you are a very good mechanic and you provide very good service and you do all this, you know, hundred ten, hundred twenty, and and it is kind of dictated by your region. You know, if you're in uh, Los Angeles, California, it might be higher than you are when you're in Des Moines, Iowa. That's where my home is. That's where I live. Um, so it's all kind of just doing a little research. But um, Oh, and I want to kind of, I'll come back to ways to make money. I'll come back to the 100-hour thing here shortly. But I want to kind of talk, touch on uh, the pros of having your own business. Um, and forgive me for jumping around, but I want to make sure I cover this before I move on to the other ways you can make money as an AMP. Um, the pros of owning your own maintenance business or having your own side gig, it's not for everybody. I'll say that first of all. It's just not. It's, it's definitely, you're going to be an entrepreneur. You're going to be a business owner, and that's not for everybody. But who it is for is people who are watching the clock at work, the people who don't want to go to work, the people who make good money, but they don't feel like they're fulfilled yet. They haven't really, they're not happy with their career. Um, 
oh, if you're not wanting to, if you want to express your creativity in a way in aviation maintenance, that might be a good opportunity for you to be a business owner. So I guess what I'm saying is it's not for everybody, but it's for people who um, are kind of looking for more out of their career, looking to express themselves creativity wise, people who are uh, looking at the clock all day. Um, this, these are reasons to get to become an aviation entrepreneur, an aviation maintenance business owner, because I can tell you, I only spent um, two or three years as a mechanic working for other people. And for me, that was enough. Uh, it's not right or wrong to be not be an entrepreneur. It's definitely not. You know, I just found that I needed to, I, was, I really engulfed myself in my work. I really go full blast at it. So the only way that I really could make good money and really go full blast without working the way up the corporate chain and taking my whole career was to start my own business. So that's what I did. And since then, I mean, it personally has developed me from a personal standpoint. I would never get on camera and talk. This is all business. This is all what aviation uh, entrepreneurship has done for me. Um, it's been great pay. I mean, it takes a little bit to build your pay up. You know, it's not turnkey like going and working for a good airline or something. That's not, <laughs> people will tell you, like, if you don't do it right, you, you won't get paid that good. But if you do it right, you'll get paid way more than the other guys, than any employee. And so I, what I'm saying is you get an opportunity to develop yourself personally, you get an opportunity to make great pay and, con and then control your own schedule, um, be creative, you can be creative at your job. You're never gonna watch the clock too if you like what you do. And I've literally, there's just not enough time ever in the day as an entrepreneur in aviation. So, uh, and I have down here the last thing is a last couple things is you're going to build a legacy. You're going to build equity um, in a company. You know that's that's something that you can hand off to your family. You can sell later, um, so that's nice. And then the relationships. I mean, I got to be honest with you. I think the money is everybody always looks at the money as the big thing, but I had the job that had good money, uh, good pay early on in my career, and it ju I just couldn't. For me personally, I wasn't satisfied. And so um, I'm glad that I got into entrepreneurship because it, it gave me what I needed. And that is like the relationships that I built are so, they're just lifelong, they're lifelong relationships. And I've met so many cool guys that are so successful, that are so inspiring because my clients are, aviation customers are typically uh, financially stable people. I'll just say that to be safe across the board so I don't make anybody mad. But long story short, these guys are great to sit down to and be inspired by. So, okay, that's all I got. That's all I'm gonna say. Uh, that's why I think starting your own aviation business or side gig's a good idea. If that thing, if what I just said speaks to you, think about it. Think about starting your own aircraft maintenance business. If it doesn't, eh, who cares, right? Okay, let's go back to the 100 hour. This is ways to make money as an AMP without your IA, the 100-hour inspection, calling the flight schools, making the list. So make a 60-mile radius around where you live, list all the flight schools out in the phone numbers and the emails, get in touch, try to schedule, make a phone call and say, hey, I'd like to talk to you guys about doing your annual inspect or your 100-hour inspections and your routine maintenance. And I can help you by being more reliable, meaning I can turn your planes faster and I might be able to save you cost. I wouldn't commit to that. I just, that's why setting a meeting up to go talk to them 
and saying to talk about it is great, okay? Um, because some of these flight schools are running their planes 100 hours a month, of, of real busy flight schools running it 100 hours a month. And um, that's good business to, if you don't have your IA to be getting those calls monthly. And then I have on here written down that the real, what you do at that meeting is you go ahead and sit down with them. You say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm, I can't guarantee a price right now. I just want to, you know, what are you guys charging? And if I can beat it, great. I want to help you out, you know. And if they say, hey, we're, we're paying a guy 90 and you're okay with doing it for 85, then offer 85, you know, and say, hey, I'll do it for five bucks less. And the other part of it too is like, I don't really like to play the money game. It's just one reason for them to give you a chance. I often have gone up to guys when I, when I move to a new location, and I'm trying to really prove myself. I'll go up to uh, um, a guy that's influential or has their own plan. I'll say, hey, listen, let me come do your oil change for free. Let me just give me a chance, right? And that's a good play. So you could go to the school and say, why don't you let me do the first hundred hour for free? And a lot of you guys are probably going, what? Why would you, why would you do that? Because you don't understand, if you don't understand why that's impactful, then I guess you don't like, you got to get into the mindset that you got to wow somebody that's, that if you want to earn someone's business, you got to do stuff like that. Cause that's going to stand out versus nobody does that anymore. That's an old school thing. You know, that's an old generation thing to go and do work like that. In today's age, there's less people, this is me getting on another soapbox, but there's less people willing to work. And if you're financially stable, you know, you don't need the thousand, two thousand bucks you'll get from the uh, hundred hour inspection. What you need is to get in the door because when you get in the door, they're going to keep calling you. So I would recommend you either go up there and you can, I, I talked about the price thing, but that's kind of an old school tactic. I mean, it works, but like really you should go up there and say, Hey, why don't we just do one maintenance job? Don't even pay me in hundred hour. If you're not comfortable doing the, a full, that much work on a plane, that is quite a bit of work. Uh, an oil change is a perfect one. Hey, let me come up. Let me do an oil change on your plane. You'll get a chance to see my punctuality, my work, my eth my work ethic and uh, my pricing. You'll just see the whole thing. Why don't we give it a shot? It's gonna be hard for them to say no. Right. And just say, Hey, you guys supply the oil, the oil filter. I'll do the oil change. Let's give it a shot. Gets you in the door. And if you do a good job, which I recommend, don't, you know, show up early, do a good job. Do these things. You kind of, as a business owner, have to sacrifice yourself to build the customer. Once you build the relationship with the customer, it's much easier to maintain it than it is to get in. So then once you get a, a flight school contract, that alone could really jumpstart your, your, your side gig. If you get three or four of them, you're going to be busy. You only need three or four busy flight schools and you're done. It depends on how big the flight schools are. So 100 hours are key. Uh, I would be placing that at the top of my list of if I didn't have my AA, I'd be going after the flight schools. Okay. Um, I got in here, offer them a discount, which is one way to get in the door with them. Um, the other thing is uh, to offer that you, um, we had done maintenance uh, without going too far in this. This is all from our experience. Um, we've maintained flight school airplanes before. We've had a flight school. I'm not a partner anymore. I sold out, but... Um, I'm still in contact with the guy who owns the school and we're in touch with each other. He still operates the school. Um, we had our own mechanics. The, we had Phalanx Aviation at our flight schools and uh, we had the neighboring flight schools wanting to, us to work on their planes. Our competitors 
would contact our mechanics to work on their planes. So we, and some of these were, I, I can't, I'm not going to drop names on the schools, but they were, let's just say they were big schools. And so this was a great opportunity for us to help them, right? And then build a relationship with the big school. And I can't tell you that it's very important if you don't have your IA to do something like that. Um, okay, show. Oh, and what I was getting at is uh, when you talk to the flight school, say, hey, this is early. You don't have to do this right now, but just say, I'm going to go ahead and uh, extend this offer out that if you want me to, if, we, if this moves forward, I have no problem uh, if you hook me up with your uh, flight schedule software and set, I'll set up notifications, we can set up notifications where when an airplane comes due for a 100 hour, I just automatically come do it. Or when it comes due for a 100 hour, I shoot you a text and let you know it's coming due. And I tell you, and I shoot you some days of when I can come do it, right? Basically, these flight schools have software, the scheduling software, and the maintenance is tracked in it as well. And for us, we did at 90 hours, we, we had a red or a reminder go out via email to our maintenance staff. So at 90 hours, we got the maintenance staff, got the reminder, hey, plane's coming due for 100 hour in 10 hours, schedule it any time. Because if, we don't care if you hit the 100, because for this is getting a little too detailed, but as a flight school, jeopardizing five hours, if they got to 95 hours, if you can fit it into a, a rhythm way, meaning like, Let's say you get the maintenance done at 95 hours and that made it so that the next week on the plane was super busy, like schedule wise. It's better to do it five hours early than to wait when the plane's timed out in the middle of a very busy period. So that is huge. Um, what I'm getting at is if you tell the aircraft owner that you will uh, help to schedule the maintenance and make it smooth, the inspection smooth, meaning you'll look at the calendar You'll see a three-day gap. You'll try to get it. You'll do your best to schedule the maintenance to keep the uptime of the aircraft going. That's going to be music to their ears. Good music, not bad music. So um, tell them that you'll help them schedule. You would love to automate it. You'd love to be able to just um, get notifications, and that way you can just come up there and do the work with their approval. You know, you don't want to come up there and do the work without their approval. You just say, then I'll just shoot you a text, say, hey, 100 hours coming due on the 172. I got these days. The schedule looks pretty open these days. How about I come up and do it? What do you think? There you go. So, uh, okay. Let's go on to the next thing here. I got the next thing is, let's get rid of that so I don't put it in cycle and talk about it again. Uh, an engine overhaul shop. Okay. Uh, to do engine overhauls, all you need is an AMP license. Um, it is a pretty, it's funny how something like a ADSB tail beacon installation, which is literally replacing the tail beak, the tail light on a GA aircraft with an ADSB UAVionics model. It's two wires. That requires, we always did it uh, 337, and to my knowledge, it's a major alteration. It's funny how that required an IA, but overhaul an engine doesn't. Overall, an engine is way more detailed and way more of a safety risk. And um, as of today, uh, um, me and I'm partnering with a guy on helping start up an engine shop. We have in, uh, overhauled engines before 
for our flight school, but since we've been doing it so much, we just thought, hey, we, we should do a commercial shop. So I'll be able to report more on engine overhaul stuff, like the shop and the progress of the engine overhaul, how it's going for us, the business, more. But like, we have a good idea of, if you're an A&P and you don't have your IA, and you're looking to make money doing your own thing, starting an engine overhaul shop is not a bad idea. But let me tell you what we found so far that's not hot, a hot topic in the engine overall shop. Parts are hard to come by. Cylinders are hard. Cases, there's only a hand, like, that I know of, there's only one. We only do business with one case uh, rework person. That's the crankcase of the engine. I think there are two or three of them, but we've only done one, worked with one, because they just do a good job for us. But they're backed up for four months. Called them today, or excuse me, I called them yesterday and asked, uh, hey, how far are we out on cases? Four months. Uh, how far are we out on cylinders? We called Lycoming Air, uh, Air Power. We called a distributor of theirs. And we called two of their distributors. It's about three to four months as well for Lycoming cylinders. That's how long it takes to get the cylinders. So what I'm getting at is the bad part about the, if you want to start your, kind of do your own thing and start an uh, overhaul shop and you, if you just have your AMP, you have all the licenses you need to start. But you're going to have to do some thinking on, um, you know, it's your turnaround time of your engines is going to take a while. So for the customer, that sucks that they have to wait three to four months minimum to get their overhaul done. It used to be like a month, right? Back when earlier, and maybe even before that, it was a quicker turn. It's getting more and more uh, lengthy to do an overhaul time-wise. And that, that's a bummer for these guys. So we do uh, an exchange program for some of these uh we do Lycoming four cylinders as our as our um, main. That's our main engine that we do. Uh, we have an E2A right now. It's on an exchange program. We have an E2D, meaning like it's built up, it's done, it's ready to go. Those are very popular engines, and they just go. People pay for them. Say, yep, I'll take it. Exchange because um, they get to just turnaround times like a week for them versus four months. They pay more for that exchange but they're willing to pay that because they don't wait four months. So if you're starting an overhaul shop, plan ahead because the parts are scarce, one. Two, if you can pick up a core engine for like a 0320, 0360, Lycoming, 0200 Continental, 0470 uh, Continental, these are common engines in like 172s and Cherokees. You wanna get your hands on those cores, which they're hard to get to kind of, but it's good to kind of get started with the core, just someone selling one, and then you overhaul it, and then you offer it as an exchange. It's gonna go, it'll sell. And the margins are good on an engine shop. Uh, you know, there, I'm not gonna, I'll let you guys see for yourself, but I'll tell you that we, from our research, we're seeing that it, it, the overhaul is, from what we, our numbers that we've put together, they're better than the flight school. A lot of things are better than flight school profit margin. Better than the maintenance shop. That's a big one. So, um, and an overhaul shop can be done anywhere. That's the beauty of it. It can be done in a garage. Most of these overhaul guys, the legacy ones now, you read their story and it's like, yeah, we started doing cylinders in our garage back in the 80s. It's like, oh, okay. So you can start it in your garage. So if you have your AMP looking for a side gig, maybe consider an engine overhaul shop. The insurance cost is roughly the same for a small piston shop, right? 
right now hovering around eight to 10,000 a month, or excuse me, a month, a year to get started. Um, you can break that up in payments. You can uh, wait till you get a customer. You know, your first customer can pretty much pay for the whole insurance bill for the whole year. Uh, and that's gonna eat up all your margin, but that's, it, it can do it. It depends on the engine. So um, consider doing an engine overhaul shop. I have down here, you're gonna wanna get familiar with the requirements of a piston engine overhaul. Uh, we focus on Lycoming. So Lycoming service bolt in 240 tells you what's required to be replaced at an overhaul. Uh, there's FAR, I don't have it written down, but there's probably FAR out there that I can't cite right now that's gonna tell you what's required for a piston engine overhaul. So do some research, find out what's required, get familiar what's with, for, with what's required to be done to an engine to be overhauled. And then um, I have down here, create a checklist for your jobs. A lot of guys just go after stuff and they just say, oh, I'm gonna start an, uh, an engine overhaul business. And then they just say, they go out to their buddies and say, hey, I'm starting an engine overhaul business. Why don't you tell your friends, you know? And they don't even structure, they don't put a plan together, they don't research, they don't do any of that. And I can tell you, I can tell you this for, from experience. The amount of work you put in on in something is directly proportionate to the work to the what you're going to get out of it literally financially from a feeling standpoint all of it so if you're just going to try to jump in this because it's an overnight deal and you're going to make engines an overall shop overnight kiss it goodbye because you gotta stay consistent with on the work so and if you the way that you know if you want to do one of these things that i'm talking about is if you start researching it and you kind of lose your, you lose time, meaning like, let's say you hop on and you start researching how to do a Lycoming engine overhaul and then all of a sudden you're starting to learn about all this stuff and you're losing track of time, that's a good indicator. If you spend two hours doing something and you lost time, that's a good indicator that you might like it. So you might wanna keep going with it. Yeah, you'll get tired, but you just come back the next day and pick up where you left off. My thing is make a checklist for jobs uh, meaning like just get a Google Doc, a Word Doc, pad of paper, and think about your first customer that's going to call you. Hey, I got a Lycoming 0320. I'd like it overhauled. I see I got one of your business cards or I see, saw your website. I'm ready to do it. Don't make your process based on the first person. Mock it up. So make, make, think about, hey, the first person called me. Um, we have a questionnaire. So when the person calls us for an engine, we say, okay, hey, how much time's on the engine? Um, what kind of cylinders are on it? Do you want an overhaul or an overhaul exchange? Um, where do you live? So we can get it freighted to us. This is our address. This is all in a checklist style so we know what to ask the customer. We go through a job in our head so that when the first customer comes, hey, they're gonna, we're gonna follow that job sequence. And it goes from start to finish from when we say hello to the customer to when the final engine is crated up and going out the door. List that process out. And it's gonna be tough, it's gonna be hard, it's gonna require you to sit and think about it, but I'm telling you right now that it's gonna work, it's, it's the best thing ever to do. It's, it's business 101, it's called a process. <laughs> and uh, you need it if you wanna grow, um, but you wanna write that out. Okay. I, I suggest that you focus on one family of engines if you're going to do an engine overall shop. I would uh, recommend Lycoming's four cylinders, Continental uh, big bore engines, 520s, 470s, 550s. Uh, 
Um, small board Continentals aren't bad either. You know, the 0200s, A65, the 75, is it the 85 and the 90? I don't, can't remember that whole family, but the small bore, the small Continental engines, focus on a family and a popular family. That's going to, that's going to get you geared for success. Okay. Another way to make money without your IA, uh, is to partner with an IA. Okay. And, um, what I mean by that is you're going to just work for an IA, work for a shop. If you can find an independent IA and, and have him come, you make, create, start your business. And then you have him on call say, Hey, come, can you inspect this plane? Do the logs. I'll listen to what you want me to do on the plane and I'll do the rest of the work. Then you split the bill at the end. You negotiate a price to say, Hey, how much is that going to cost for you to come up for one day to look at a 172? You know, what I would do if I didn't have my AMP, I would be calling all the IAs I know, which is hard. I, I mean, there's not that many IAs. And I would, I would try to find an IA in my area and call him and say, Hey, I have my own maintenance business, but I don't have my IA yet. I, can I give you a list of aircraft in the annual inspections and what it would cost you to inspect the plane, um, give me a squawk list, and then do the logbook entries on the annual for the aircraft owner, and I'll do the rest. Meaning, I'll do the servicing and I'll fix all your squawks. What's that going to cost me? Do it for 150s, 172s, 182s, bonanzas. Do the whole thing. Get that list. See, see if you can figure out a price. And have him on retainer. Basically, you build your business. When it's time and you have an annual, call the, the IA in. He comes and does the work. He leaves. And you're pretty much the face of the, the customer. You build the relationship with the customer. Uh, that's a good way. Um, it's, it's, yes, it's hard. It's all hard work. Yes, it requires you to get off the couch. Yes, it requires you to get on the phone. Yes, it requires you to email. That's what business is. So you got to just get scrappy with it. Um, but what I can tell you is what that's going to do. You're going to be able to get relationships with these customers early so that when you get your IA, boom, you just opened up the door instantly to all this additional revenue. I, you know, I look back and I think uh, starting a A&P shop once you started enough, enough of them is it's easy. It becomes easy. The more you do something, the more easy it becomes. And so you just got to got to get started. Um, you don't have to be great to start, but you got to start to be great. Zig Ziglar. I love that quote and I remember it. I don't remember much, but I do remember that because I think it's, I think it's true. Um, and then I have on here, if you're going to partner with an IA, I, I got on here, not all IAs are created equal. Not all AMPs are created equal. Not all pilots are created, uh, created equal. Every industry has guys that are just not good cats, you know, and if you have an IA, that's not a good cat and he's just not doing things right or to your standards, you don't have to work with him. Um, the crap, like I said, the crappy part is IAs are in short supply. So, um, one, when you get yours, you're going to be setting up, you're going to be in good shape, but two, it may be hard to find an IA to work for or to have you come to get a partnership with. And so, um, that's where you might have to work for a shop. And I, I got, this is the last topic here of making money without your IA. So to kind of summarize, we talked about, um, you're just start your business still, 
right? Continue to start your business because I'm going to go ahead and back up and say, getting Google, getting your business on Google and starting to get going there is like, uh, I've learned in the past couple of years how important that is to stay consistent with that. And just even a simple blog post monthly, it takes time, but you, you can beat out your competition if you provide good content on your website and continuously put content on there. Um, and Phalanx Aviation is a great way to just get exposed, um, get networking going. You know, it's, for the, it's not that much to do, but it exposes you in a good way. It gets you a lot of connections. Um, and that's, that's the key. You gotta, you gotta get creative. You know, you just have to start thinking if you want to start your own business, you got to start thinking, how do I get customers? Well, I got to get in front of them and to get in front of them. You might have to show up at an airport and hang out. You might have to go on Facebook and start getting emails. You got to just get scrappy with it. You know, I might have to call flight schools in the area. Um, be professional though, you know, learn a little bit about professionalism before you go out there. If you're not a professional guy, learn that skill, learn how to talk with people, learn how to introduce yourself, practice introducing yourself to people, practice, um, meeting new people. Um, it's all part of the game, man. And that's the funnest part about it for me is that you always are growing personally. So we talked about, uh, I wanted to summarize what we've talked about. Uh, we talked about just, I, I want to make sure you guys start your business. Even if you don't have your IA, start doing routine jobs, uh, like oil changes, tire changes, engine work, start building the relationship with the customer. That's the key. Get a Google sheet, get a Google sheet or, uh, an Excel sheet and, um, write the customer's name, phone number, email, tail number in the aircraft's location start building that list immediately. That means that you, a guy contacts you and says, I want to do maintenance. You say, the first thing you say is you say, Hey, yeah, dude, let's, I would love to do this. Let me get your name, phone number, email, tail number, and, um, airport. Say, if I get that information, then I can always help you down the road too. Right. Um, say I just, we, to get started, let's get this stuff figured out. Let's get your contact info. Okay build your list, even if you don't do work with them. And if you don't want to do the uh, aircraft tail number in the airport, that's fine. Those are, they're nice to have at least the tail number, name, phone number, email, tail number. That's not that much to ask of. We do that with, if you notice our, our websites, you'll notice our forms all have that, uh, tail number, email, phone, and that stuff gets mapped right to an Excel sheet. And we keep that database. So we have a big database of all this stuff. Those are, that's so important. You'll see down the road why, but if you don't have your IA, start building your customer list, be organized, create a spreadsheet and start building your list. Um, okay. So doing routine maintenance is one way without your IA, uh, hundred hour inspections, another way without your IA, uh, engine overhaul shops, another way to make money with an AMP license without your IA. Uh, partner with an IA. That's another way to do IA things without your IA. These are all ways that you can make money, get start your own gig, do your own business without your IA. And I really thought hard about this um, because, uh, yeah, uh, this. And I'll shout out to Madison and Ilwaco. 
I think it's Iwako, Washington. You know, I chatted with him the other day. It was a great conversation. And um, we kind of talked about, uh, he said, hey, man, you should do an episode about what you can do without your IA. So that's kind of the, the main reason for this episode. So I hope this helps him a little bit. And I hope it helps all these guys. But uh, I talked with Madison quite a bit and uh, had a good conversation. We just talked aviation basically one night. And, um, you know, I, I, I wanted to try to think. He, he knew most of this stuff. He already, he, you can tell this guy was going to go somewhere because he already, he already went over all the things I went over basically. I just maybe hopefully can give a couple more ideas to help them, but you got to get scrappy. Um, and, uh, I, I thought a lot about what I sat and thought, Hey, what are all the different ways you can do it without your IA? And if I think of more, I'll try to get them up on our website or I'll, um, at greasepilot.com or on a YouTube video. I'll, if I think of more, I'll let you know, but this is, this is pretty, um, I don't know. There's there's probably other ways, but uh, the eye is a big deal. Th this is a good way to get started, though. This is a good if you if you focus on contacting flight schools, finding a relationship with an IA, that alone, and then making your website uh, and then having people contact you, you can go ahead and put all your services on your website, and people can contact you and say, "Hey, I need an annual inspection." The best part about that is. If you don't have an IA to partner with, call them back, say, hey, I, and number one, you get their contact info, save it on your list. And then you say, hey, I don't have my IA, um, but I know of an IA. If you know of a guy, help him out, send him, send the IA his way. Uh, but you can say, I'm getting my IA in a year and I'd love to earn your business then. Think about me if you are need an oil change or some other work done, just Give me a call because I'd love to come help you out for that. So you can tell them that you can't do the, the annual, but you can do the other stuff. Okay. I, to summarize this episode, it's all about relationships. Um, it is. It's a relationship type business. So the sooner you can build relationships, the better, even if you don't have your IA. Um, and that's where uh, when you build these relationships, when it comes time when you have these relationships in place and then you do get your IA, it's going to be like a light switch in terms of how easy it's going to be for you to be able to get more business because now it's a simple, if you built your e customer email list, think how easy it is to shoot out emails to all these guys and say, Hey, uh, I got my IA now. We are now doing annual inspections. First time customers get 10, 20% off their labor. Boom. Nail that out. And, Maybe not on that first email. That's why it's with emails. You kind of want to be consistent. You know, there's tons of email software out there. Another thing you got to learn, but that's all part of the game. Continuously emailing these guys is never a bad thing. Just don't, don't email the crap out of them. You know, uh, we do weekly is typically what we try to do. Um, because we don't want to interfere with people. Uh, but we want to provide something that can help people. So if you think you're doing that, go for it. Give them an email. Um, the other thing I have on here is to build your website. I've said that multiple times. If you don't have your IA, create some mailers, get some mailers out the door. We talk about that in the how-to course. Um, build your customer list. Okay, that's what I would be doing if I didn't have my IA. And then um, as soon as you become 
eligible for EIA test out. So that means a month or two months before you're qualified, get the EIA test prep, whether you do book or app or whatever, get it, contact the FISDO, say, hey, I'm gonna be tested for my EIA soon. I wanna make sure I have everything. You know, call ahead of time and get this thing done. Write it on your calendar when you're gonna qualify for your IA. Uh, schedule your written test. The, one of the best things I did when I was getting my IA was I scheduled the test before I was even ready. So I scheduled the test like two months out. I even got I ain't even got the study material yet. But what I did is I did that because then it forced me. I was like, I'm gonna get this thing, and I my test date is coming up, so I better get my book. I better get to studying. That's how I work. So maybe that works for you. Schedule your schedule your IA written test before you're ready. That way you get ready. And um, I think I covered just about everything. It's kind of hard sometimes to look at my notes and then make sure I'm uh, covering it appropriately, but those are ways that you can make money without your IA license. And um, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and wrap this episode up. And uh, I appreciate you guys tuning in, and we'll see you guys next time on The Grease Pilot Show. Thank you.